Good morning, listeners. Good morning. We're getting closer to the birth of Christ. Welcome to Pray With Me. Let's get these blessings started. I'm your host, Pamela Staten, and I want to dedicate today's podcast to Oloris. We haven't talked in a little bit, but I know she's doing well and she's still sending beautiful messages. So God bless her and her family and you and your family at this Christmas time, because I know we're all running amok, doing a lot. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. God is just and holy and separated from sinners. This is our main problem in every season, including Christmas. How shall we get right and just with a holy God? God is merciful, and he promised in Jeremiah 31 that someday he would do something new. And he made that promise over 500 years before Christ. He would replace shadows with the reality of the Messiah. And he would powerfully move into our lives and write his will on our hearts so that we are not constrained from the outside, but are willing from the inside to love him, trust him, and follow him. It is the greatest salvation imaginable. God offers us the greatest reality in the universe to enjoy and then moves in us so that we can enjoy it with the greatest freedom and joy possible. That is a Christmas gift that is worth singing about. There is a huge obstacle though, our sin. Our unrighteousness separates us from God. And how can a holy and just God treat us sinners with so much kindness as to give us the greatest reality in the universe? His son. His son to enjoy with the greatest joy possible. God put our sins on his son. And he judged them there so that he could put them out of his mind and deal with each of us mercifully while remaining just and holy. Hebrews 9.28 says, Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. Christ bore our sins in his own body when he died. He took our judgment. He canceled our guilt, and that means that our sins are gone. They do not remain in God's mind as a basis for condemnation. In that sense, he forgets them, and they are consumed in the death of Christ. So God is now free in his justice to lavish us with a new covenant, He gives us Christ, the greatest reality in the universe, 
for our enjoyment. And he writes his own will in his own heart on our heart so that we can love and trust and follow Christ from the inside out with freedom and joy. Our God is just and holy. Amen. Christmas is a model for missions, and missions are a mirror of Christmas. Jesus says, as I am, so are you. And this means that we will face danger and trouble. Christ came to his own, and his own rejected him. So, why Not why would we expect something different, but we can expect that. They plotted against him. He had no permanent home. They trumped up charges against him. They whipped and mocked him. He died after three years of ministry. But there is a worse danger than any of these, which Jesus did escape. The perils of his mission. The danger, the dangers of all dangers would be to lose trust and confidence in the mercy of God. To distrust him would be a far more terrible thing than any physical evil which all the enemies of God put together could inflict on us. For without God's permission, neither the devils nor their human ministers could hinder us in the slightest degree. The greatest danger that he faces is our distrust in the mercy of God. That danger is avoided If that danger is avoided, then all the other dangers will lose their sting. And God makes every danger a scepter in our hand. Each instant of present labor is to be graciously repaid with a million ages of glory. So remember that Advent and Christmas is a model for missions. Missions often bring danger, but the greatest danger is distrusting God's mercy. Succumb to this, listeners, and all is lost. But conquer this and nothing can harm you for a million ages. Amen. Point taken. Stay right there. We'll be right back. And now from Commanding Your Morning, it says prayer trains you. Psalm 94 verse 12. 
Blessed is the man whom you discipline, O Lord, and whom you teach out of your law to give rest from the days of trouble. God planted it within each of us to make a difference in our world, a difference that will bring good and not harm, peace and not strife, prosperity and not poverty. But too few realize that the groundwork for this overcoming lifestyle begins in our prayer closets. It is the place of training and preparation. It is the boot camp to overcoming. And just as one who is not practiced in the art of swordcraft cannot artfully wield a sword, no person on this earth can correctly use God's word who has not been trained in it by the master himself. Prayer is that place of training and also the place of overcoming. Pray with me. Father God, deepen my understanding of your word today. Let it cleanse my heart and renew my mind. Your word is a two-edged sword that divides soul from spirit and discerns the intents of the heart. It is a lamp unto my feet that illuminates the path that I should walk. Because I love truth, I discipline myself to study your word and submit myself to your boot camp to overcoming. In the name of Jesus, amen. And it says, allow God to discipline you. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11 says, For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Listeners, while we as Christians have all the power behind us, How well are we acting in that authority? We are overcomers, but are we overcoming? The determination in whether we will be victorious or defeated hangs upon honest answers to these questions. Thus, the issue is not the power of our God, but how disciplined and prepared we are to win the battles of our spiritual war in prayer. Amen. Pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare and decree today that I do not just walk about the authority I have in you. I also walk in it. I proclaim the King and your kingdom and I walk in your power. I take dominion over this day and declare that it should cooperate with your agenda and calendar. I cancel all destiny-altering activity in the name of Jesus. I have been given authority over all the power of the enemy, and I decree that my life is characterized by liberty. Train my hands by war. Bring me to the new levels of power and authority as I submit myself to you. 
train my hands for war. In the name of Jesus, amen. And James chapter 4 verse 7 says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. While the victory is ever the Lord's, it will not manifest on the earth if you as a believer do not fight for it. This is your time on the earth, listeners, to see that God's will is done during your watch. You have the jurisdiction on the earth while you are here, and you must stand in the gap and tell the devil, no, I will have none of your monkey business here. So praying earnestly and ultimately victoriously in such matters is to strive in the spirit through mastery of the techniques and the disciplines of prayer. I arise today and I declare, like the prophet Isaiah, that a child has been born unto us, a son has been given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders of the increase of his government and peace. There shall be no end. As an ambassador of that kingdom, I persist in prayer until every penetrable wall comes down, until every barrier, blockage, and boulder hindering the purposes of God for this day is shattered. I will advance the cause of Christ. I decree and declare that the king and his kingdom are here, and his will shall be done in the earth as it is in heaven. In the name of Jesus, amen. Beautiful, beautiful. Listeners, we are to pray persistently. At the moment a prayer is uttered, angelic hosts move throughout the atmosphere on behalf of the prayers, rooting up and tearing down entrenched strongholds that have wrecked havoc on our lives. And then God meticulously plants and nurtures one by one the answers to counteract those evils until all is in alignment with his will. And just as it took a long time for the enemy to spawn his diabolical webs and to trap people in them, it will take time as well to unravel the reposition and to reposition people to receive the blessings of the Lord. Therefore, we must pray patiently persistently and passionately staying steadfast in prayer over such matters until the answer arrives not only is the key to victory but it also matures our faith in ways that no other practice can father i thank you that the effectual fervent prayers of the righteous avail much I will continue in prayer until I see the manifestation of your promises. As I pray, 
release your angelic hosts to war on my behalf. Assign them to reinforce me as I advance into new levels, new dimensions, new realms and territories to promote and propel your kingdom. In the name of Jesus, amen. Romans 8.25 But if we hope for what we do not see, we must wait for it with patience. Amen. Listeners, when we spend consistent and fervent time in prayer, knowing God, discerning His Word, and walking in His ways becomes as intimate to us as knowing those who live in our very homes. It opens us to understanding the mysteries of God and allows God to reveal to us exact strategies for praying for specific people, for growing our churches, our communities, changing our lifestyle and our neighbors, and releasing God's kingdom on the earth. It also lets God's wisdom rub off on us, rub off on us regarding how to conduct our business, how to invest and manage our money, what we need to do to nurture our relationships, how to discipline ourselves, and how to keep our bodies fit and strong. Father, as I spend time with you, Please shape my attitude and actions to reflect your character. Reveal supernatural strategies for success, for spiritual growth, for good health and prosperity. Give me new ways of living, Lord. Upgrade my thinking with kingdom technology and kingdom methodology to accomplish your will. I receive the supernatural discipline to implement them today. Make me more like you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Make me more like you, Lord. Stay right there, listeners. We'll be back. God placed on my heart to remind you to continue to know your Bible. Over this holiday season, if you have been given a break from work or you just are taking time, you know, to relax as you prepare for the birth of Christ, read your Bible. Okay, let's talk about the book of Ecclesiastes. The author is Solomon, and he's identified as the son of David, king over Israel in Jerusalem, and says he had more wisdom than all that had come before him. Interesting. Apart from God, life is empty and unsatisfying, is what the book emphasizes. What's quotable? Chapter 3, verse 1. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose 
under heaven. And chapter 12, verse 1, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. The book's generally negative tone makes some readers wonder if Solomon wrote it late in life after hundreds of wives had led him to stray from God. Life doesn't always make sense, but there's still a God who understands. Amen. And The Song of Solomon is the next book. The author is, of course, Solomon. And Solomon, like the Psalms of David, um, wrote songs. And uh, they are by, for, and about God. He writes about married love is a beautiful thing worth celebrating. What's quotable? Chapter 1, verse 2. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for thy love is better than wine. Chapter 2, verse 4. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. And chapter 8, verse 7. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. How true. Beautiful. And what's special? God made marriage for the husband and the wife's enjoyment, and that marital love can be a picture of God's joy in his people. And the book of Isaiah. It is written by Isaiah, who was the son of Amos. It talks about a coming Messiah that will save the people from their sins. What's quotable is chapter 6, verse 3. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And chapter 7, verse 14. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And chapter 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Amen. This is his season. Learn everything you can about him. Thank you for coming to pray with me, listeners. Yes, yes, yes. We just got the blessing started for today. Seek the word of God for everything you need. Bye for now. <laughs>